Alright, good morning everybody. Thank you for joining us this morning here at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. My name is Dave Everett and we'll be continuing our teaching this morning on such a great salvation and particularly we'll be talking about prosperity again and I'll talk about that in just a moment. Just so you know, all of our teachings are archived on our website at LighthouseDiscipleship.org as well as our YouTube channel at Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And we also want to say thank you to all those who have partnered with us with their tithes and your offerings. In case you're wondering how to do so, you can simply go to our website, again, at LighthouseDiscipleship.org. In the top right corner, it says Give. It's highlighted in blue. And you can give anywhere around the world. And if you'd rather send us a check, you can simply make your checks payable to Lighthouse Discipleship Center. And our mailing address is on the bottom foot of every page on our website. And if you're in the United States, um, just so you know, we are a 501c3 church. And so your contributions are 100% tax deductible. But without all the announcements and, and, and whatnot, let's go ahead and jump into our message this morning. <coughs> We've been talking pretty much a whole year. And this is about the second time I've ever done that where I've had a series that I talked about for the whole year. When we first started our church, <coughs> excuse me, a little over eight years ago, I did, I did a message on righteousness that really much, pretty much took up a whole year, and here I am again doing a long message. Uh, but this message is a little different, but I have many sub-messages within the message, and so, uh, because there's a lot talked about our salvation. Okay, so we started back in, I think, February, we started talking about we started defining what salvation was. It's a gift. It's faith in His grace. It's not faith alone, and it's not grace alone. Okay, and by definition, the word salvation, uh, Yeshua in the Hebrew, and soteria in the Greek, by definition, the word means wholeness. It means healing. It means prosperity. It means deliverance. And, and, and there's many other definitions. We talked about that several weeks ago. We've been talking about that throughout the series. And then we talked about the purpose of salvation. The purpose of salvation is not going to heaven and going to hell, even though that's true. There is a heaven and there is a hell. And um, at the same point in time, and those are the benefits of, of salvation. Okay, The purpose of salvation is that we can have a relationship with God. We could not have a relationship with God because we were in sin. And so God sent His Son, Jesus, to die for us so that we could be in relationship with God. The best thing about Heaven is God is there, and the worst thing about hell is God is not there. Okay? And so that's the purpose of salvation. Then we talked about the necessity of salvation, and we've been talking for several months now about the benefits of salvation. Within, under the umbrella of the benefits of salvation, we spent about five or six weeks talking about the benefits of salvation, how it relates to wholeness. <coughs> Excuse me. One of the definitions of salvation in the Greek and the Hebrew, and then we spent a few months talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to healing. And now I believe we're in our fifth or sixth week talking about the benefits of salvation and how it relates to prosperity. And I, I understand this, and I'm going to keep saying this every week. <coughs> Excuse me. When I talk about prosperity, when I even mention the word, when I talk about finances, and prosperity is more than just finances, but it doesn't exclude finances either. When I've just mentioned this word, many people get offended. And many people have a different opinion about that. And I'll talk about that again, again this morning. But because there's so much confusion out there, because there's so much abuse out there, and there's so much neglect out there on the topic, it needs to be taught. You know, unless we have a good foundation what the word says, 
uh, and we're confused about it, we, you know, the, the idea uh, when, so, when something's confusing, sometimes the best solution is not just ignore it. You know, and we don't want to abuse it ourselves, but we need to we need to clear the air and get what the Bible says about prosperity. And the Bible has a lot to say about prosperity, okay? And it, prosperity has a lot, a lot to do with a lot of things besides finances, but it also doesn't exclude finances as well. When we're talking about prosperity, we're talking about the blessing of God in our lives. And the blessing of God in our lives is throughout the scriptures, okay? God wants us to be blessed. Okay, let's talk about God's covenant with us, his people, his children. Okay, he died for us, and there's a covenant with that. And with that covenant, there's a blessing. Okay, there's an inheritance. Okay, so we've been talking about the benefits of salvation for several months now. And we're in the last segment of our teaching, and i still got a few more weeks to go. <coughs> Again, and I keep saying this every week, and I'm going to keep saying it every week. You know, we're talking about prosperity, and some people that that turn that that word offends people. We'll just change the word. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, if you don't like the word prosperity, then pick a different word. But really, what this when we're talking about prosperity, we're talking about trusting God. We're tr talking about trusting in His grace, trusting in His word. Trusting God for everything. Go back to this slide. We need to trust God for everything, including our finances. Not just our finances, not just our provision, but we need to trust God for everything. That's really what this message is about. You can take the word prosperity out of it, and we can just talk, talk, talk about trusting God, and we'll still cover prosperity, because that's really what this is about. We need to trust God for our health. We need to trust God for our wealth, our provision. Okay, And like I've been saying every week, there is a lot of confusion and different opinions regarding prosperity. And the first revelation that we need is in the area of finances is knowing that God wants us to prosper. God wants us to be blessed. Okay, God wants our finances to be blessed. God wants our relationships to be blessed. God wants us to be blessed spiritually. God wants us to be blessed physically. God wants us to be blessed, uh, you know, uh, with our jobs and our careers and our businesses, God wants us to be blessed. Okay, He wants us to be blessed in our minds and our thoughts. He wants us to be blessed in our emotions. He wants us to be blessed all over. God wants us to prosper spiritually. <coughs> he wants us to bless, be blessed emotionally. He wants us to be blessed physically. He wants us to be blessed relationally in our marriages, with our kids, with our parents, in the workplace, with our friends, and even with our enemies. God wants us to be blessed also financially. Finances is not the only topic we're talking about, but it's not excluded either, just because people are offended by that topic, okay? Prosperity is His nature. Prosperity is His promise. Prosperity is His covenant. Let me go back to the nature real quick, just one moment. His name is El Shaddai. His name is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord our provider. His name is Jehovah Shalom, the God of peace and the God of provision, okay? And so... When we say we don't believe in prosperity, we're in one sense saying we don't believe in God. You know, and, and, and I, I can't teach that. And so, we, prosperity is about his promises, his covenant, his provision. Okay? God taking care of us like a father takes care of his kids. He's a good, good father. It's we're talking about the blessing of God. The covenant that God has with us here in the new covenant through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. 
we look at with any subject, and if anyone who knows me enough, I'm big on being, I'm big on knowing what the Word of God says, okay? So we want to look at what God, the Word of God says regarding prosperity, and we also want to look, and since this, since the main beef that people have with prosperity is finances, we need to know what the Bible says about finances. And the Bible has a lot to say about finances. Okay? It's not the only thing we're going to talk about, but we will spend some time with finances. I'm not going to spend so much time with finances this morning. We'll touch on it. We'll hit, we'll hit the subject. But we're going to be talking a lot about sowing and reaping this morning. And I'll get there in just a moment. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm going to repeat some things I've been saying every week because I don't know who's jumping on, who hasn't been in this message, and who, who still is having you know, some tug of war with the subject. But everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity. No one is indifferent about money, okay? And yet people get irritated when a pastor, like myself, preaches on money, finances, or prosperity. People just get irritated. People, people, people get bitter. And I've seen some people through the years who just got ugly regarding the subject, okay? Money affects our entire life. For the good or for bad, it affects us, Okay? We live in the world, we're not of the world, but we live in this world, and in this world, there is an economy. And in this world, there, you need money to function and survive. And not only that, you need money to bless other people. It's not the only way you can bless other people, but, you know, you can't, you can't be a blessing if you don't have anything. <coughs> Excuse me. We need to understand how to relate to money. And we need to understand how to relate to stewardship, and we'll be talking about that in a few weeks, okay? You need to understand how to relate to God's Word in every subject. And this particular subject we're talking about is prosperity, and we'll get into more detail later about finances, okay? Because it's included, and that's really where people have to be. And so that's where people have a, a hiccup and a hang-up over, and so we need to pop the bubble, and we need to deal with it. So people are grounded in the Word of God, not the Word of man, okay? And so we need to understand what God says regarding prosperity, not what man says. Okay? Again, everyone has an opinion regarding prosperity. Everyone is pretty proud of their opinion. But honestly, who cares what you think and who cares what I think? I only care what God thinks about anything, including money and prosperity. <coughs> and yet when I say that, I only care what God thinks, people get offended. People get offended, okay? People get offended if I don't put their opinion on the pedestal. People get offended if I don't agree with their opinion, okay? You know, you might not agree with my opinion, you know, but I'm not going to go home and take my ball home because the game's not going the way I want to, okay? I want to know what God says. If we're not going to be concerned about what God says, then we might as well just close our Bibles and go home because there's nothing to talk about. Okay, I can't put my, I, faith comes from the word of God. Faith does not come from your word or my word. Faith comes from the word of God. And I can't build faith on your opinion, and I can't build faith on my opinion, or anyone else's opinion. I can only put my faith in what God says. Okay, I can only trust, I can only ultimately trust God's word. Okay, and we dealt with that in Jeremiah 17 a few weeks ago. I only care what God thinks about any subject. And including finances and prosperity. I want to know what kind of kind of covenant God has made with me and what kind of covenant God's made with you. I want to know how He wants me to relate to 
finances and money, and more importantly, how do you want to relate to him? Okay, as my father, as my king, as my savior, and as my lord. I want to know how he wants me to be a blessing under the Abrahamic covenant. And just take away the Abrahamic covenant, because that might confuse you, because I don't have time to go reteach that right now. But you'll have to go in our archives and look at the messages from the last few weeks. Excuse me. Especially the first two messages of this mini-series within the series on prosperity, you can look at some of the things I've talked about the Abrahamic covenant. But I want to know what God, I want to know what God thinks about me being a blessing to others. Some people, you know, I've heard people say, excuse me, I'm trying to get this out of my throat. So I've heard some people say, you know, I don't need to be prosperous. We got enough coming in, we're okay. I don't need abundance. It, the, you know, the abundance is not just for you. You are blessed to be a blessing. And if you're only thinking about your needs being met, I don't say this to offend you, but you're selfish. Okay? If you're only making sure that you and your family are taken care of, and yes, some of those things are your first priority, but for, for, and, and they're your first priority from a certain point of view, but we are blessed to be a blessing. And, you know, I want abundance, my wife and I want abundance, so we can bless other people and bless other ministries and be a blessing and be the salt of the earth. But we can only do so much if we have so little. If we're just trying to get by, we don't have extra to give. <coughs> but our heart and our attitude and our motive is not, let's just take care of Dave, Dave and Sherry. We want to help take care of you. We're not your savior. We're not your provider. But we want to be part of the process. We want, to be, we want God to use people like us and people like you to be a blessing to other people. And when you all, see, that's a kingdom perspective. When you are only thinking about you and your needs being met, and you're not looking for abundance, you, you think the people who are look, looking for abundance are just proudful and, and arrogant. Well, I think people who are just looking about themselves and don't care about other people, they're prideful and arrogant. That is covetousness. Again, from a different point of view, from a different angle. And you can be covetous whether you have a lot, and you can be covetous whether you have nothing or little. Okay? If you're only, the only reason you need money is to take care of you, that is totally selfish. Okay? I want provision so I can help take care of and be a blessing to other people that God puts in my path and God puts in my life. Okay? Um, and, so, and so I want to be blessed so I can be bless others. Okay, and in this series, uh, from, from day one, I said there's five things I want to go over, and they're not the only five things we're going to cover, but, and I'm not going to necessarily go in these in order, we'll be kind of uh, going bouncing back and forth with these five points. I usually go in a very systematic order, but this series, and I'm still kind of sticking to that, but I am bouncing around a little bit. And so we started talking about, is it God's will to heal, why prosperity, and then now we're going to choose the third one, which is sowing and reaping, okay? And so, but again, let me just tackle some things. <coughs> I understand that what we're talking about, I understand, I understand for many well-meaning people, this topic of finances, this topic of sowing and reaping 
can be a very sensitive topic. And many hearts have been offended and because there have been many abuses out there. Okay, People have been hurt by some of the bad teaching and some of the bad examples and some of the bad manipulation that's been out there. And because of the abuses, it has caused fear and for people to avoid the topic. <coughs> Excuse me. People have avoided the topic out of fear because there's been abuses, and I understand that. Okay? Let's go forward. We get offended when we don't get what's expected. And that goes with everything. You know, when Sherry and I teach marriage classes and we, we do counseling with people, people usually usually get offended in any relationship if their expectations are not met. That can happen in an employee-employer relationship, that can happen in a business partnership. If one party has an expectation and that expectation is not met, then that, the one who didn't get their expectations met get offended. That can happen with a, uh, you know, in, in a, uh, a consumer, uh, uh, like a customer in a, in a store or a merchant. If, if the customer did not get their expectations met for that product or for that service, they get offended. Okay, and that, it, this, it, this is how everything works. So people get offended when we don't, when expectations are not met. So not only have there been abuses out there under the topic, based on how it's been taught through the years, or pay, based on people's perception of prosperity and God providing for us, when people's expectations have not been met, they get offended at God. And they get offended at the topic. And so they want to stay away from the topic because what they expected God to do what they expected them to happen did not get met, and they get offended. Okay, and that—that's that, with all of us, you know. Um, and sometimes people don't mean to not meet your expectations, you know. They don't do it maliciously. Some people do, uh, but sometimes it's easy to get offended, and so uh, we have to guard our heart against that. And so that's, and I can spend a lot more time with that, but that's just a fact of life in any relationship with any topic that we talk about. Expect, but right now we're talking about prosperity, and primarily in many ways we're talking about finances. Again, prosperity is not just finances, but it's a major part of, major part of it, okay? Well, I want to pick it up this morning from John chapter 12. In John chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Most assuredly I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground, and dies, it remains alone, but if it dies, it produces much grain. We looked at this verse a few weeks ago, because I kind of jump-started the subject of sowing and reaping before I was ready. I want to go back to some of this, and I want to talk about seeds. <coughs> Excuse me, because when we talk about sowing and reaping, well, we got to talk about seeds. Okay, seeds, when, you know, a lot of the parables of Jesus... When he talked about the kingdom of God, he used parables, and he used the seed to, 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 uh, to illustrate what he was trying to say. And in many times, in most of, most of the parables of Jesus, Jesus was trying to describe how the kingdom of God works. And most of the time, he used a seed to illustrate that. Remember, we have the parable of the sower. Excuse me. The parable of the sower is recorded both in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, 
And Jesus said regarding the parable of the sower, if you don't understand this parable, you can't understand any of the parables. And so he used a, he used to illustrate he used a seed to illustrate how the kingdom of God works, how the word of God works, how it works. Christianity is supposed to work. Okay? This relationship and covenant with God is supposed to work. Okay? And he used a seed to illustrate that. So it's a natural truth that unveils a spiritual truth. You know, a lot of things that God create, you know, God's our creator. And there's a lot of things that God created in nature that illustrates spiritual truths. And this is one of them. Okay? And I don't have time to unveil all of those, but it's a very awesome study. God will use nature to make a spiritual point. He's the one that created nature. Okay? And so we're not, we're not worshiping nature. We're worshiping the creator who has illustrated for us in so many different ways how the kingdom of God works, how spiritual truths work, but with natural examples. And Jesus, the creator, who gave parables, made this even a stronger point in his parables and much of his teachings. Naturally, that seed, so it's... <coughs> When you have a seed, that seed has to die. When you plant it in the ground, when you put it in the soil, and you water it and get sunshine, you plant that seed, the first thing that naturally has to do, that seed has to die. And that, so, that seems so backwards. How can something live die first? Okay, and I, I can go a lot deeper with this. Jesus died so we could live. Okay, and so, uh, but... And financially, how does that seed die? And we're going to go into that a little bit later. Uh, we're not going to hit there totally completely today. But when we mix, when we mix faith with that seed, we're going to understand how that seed actually dies. And I, I hope I'm, I, I feel like I'm sounding a little choppy right here. But I'll explain as we go. Okay. Another thing about seeds: when we mix faith with our things. What things? What things God's given us? Given us. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. Everything God has given us is a gift. You and I have not earned anything. Yes, we might have jobs, but God gave you that job. God gave you the health and the ability and the wisdom and the talent to be able to do that job. Everything we have is a gift from God. You might not seem, you might feel like you don't have much, and I'm going to, if you stay with me long enough in this message today, I will tell you, God can use what you have. We've already given many illustrations already how God used the widow's oil to pay off her debts and make, make her knees met. We've already taught how God used the widow's flour and oil to meet their needs. We've already taught about how Jesus twice used the boy's lunch and to feed the multitudes twice. God can take what you have and when you mix it with faith, he can use that seed. He can use that thing that will act like a seed so that it can meet your need and meet the needs of other people. Okay? We can sow those, we can sow the seed, and, and I, I should have probably explained this a little better, but anything can be a seed. Our words can be a seed, our thoughts can be a seed, our actions can be a seed, and uh, there's many things that can be a seed. And when we sow those seeds, those things that God has given us, 
in love, we're going to see a harvest. Okay? And when we, when we sow things that God's given us in love, and believe, we can believe God for a harvest. Not, but, and I feel like I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I feel like I'm, I'm almost teaching three different messages right now. Because I'm talking about sowing and reaping. I'm talking about trusting God. I'm talking about finances. And I'm also talking about motive. And I'm going to get hit motive a little stronger towards the end of this series. But, you know, you can do. how many know you can do the right thing with the wrong mindset? And you can go through the... You can go through the mechanisms of sowing and reaping, but if you're not doing it in love, and you're doing it selfishly, and you're not mixing it with faith, it's not going to work. Sometimes it's not the seed that's a problem. Sometimes it's the soil. And that's our hearts. Because it's not mixed with faith. It's not, it doesn't have love, and it's selfish. Okay? It, it doesn't have the sun shining on it. Sun, S-U-N, which can also be the sun, S-O-N. It's not getting the right sunshine. It's not getting the right water. It's not being watered in love. It's not being watered in faith. And so it's not the seed that's a problem. <coughs> it's not the things God's given us. It's not God's word that's a problem. It's not the principle of sowing and reaping that's not the problem. Sometimes it's the soil. In the parable of the sower, it was never the seed that was a problem. It was always the soil. The seed that fell on the, on the pavement. The seed that fell on the thorny soil. This, this, the seed that fell on the rocky soil. And then we have the seed that fell on the good soil. And it produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And so, it's not always the seed. It's the, it's the heart. It's the soil. It's the motive. And so we're going to deal with that more later as well. But our hearts, our faith, our love, our mindset needs to be to be blessed to be a blessing. Well, we're not selfish. We're not loveless. We're not faithless. But we are trusting God through faith, and we are doing what we're doing, sowing seeds in love, not selflessly, to be a blessing. Okay, and we're, we're going to keep hammering this, but I'm going to keep getting deeper with this as we go. But at any point in time, you can't be a blessing if you're not blessed. And you can't give what you don't have. God wants us to have things, and he, not, he doesn't have a problem with us having things. He just does not want things to have us. Okay? The ground is important too. I just touched on that. But where you sow your seed is also important. Not just your heart, but also where you sow your seed. Okay? Some examples is you can't sow your seed on concrete. Okay? And there's some, we can't sow our finances into dead things. We can't sow. <coughs> they, we, we can't sow our seeds into something that's dead. Okay? The seed needs to die, but the ground can't die. Okay? 
For example, you can't sow your seeds into something that's demonic and evil. You can't sow your seeds into things that are anti-God, anti-Bible. You can't sow your seeds into bad teaching. They're not teaching the, 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 the true word of God. They might have some nuggets until you might see some things spring up. Okay, and I'm not here attacking any particular church or denomination or whatnot. That's not my point. That's not my motive. That's not my heart. But there are some kooks out there. Okay? And you don't want to sow your seed into bad ground or bad soil. And we'll deal with it a little bit more of that later. Okay? What I want to deal with more this morning, though, uh, the first half of this message this morning, is that how does that seed die? The seed dies by releasing it to the Lord of the harvest. Okay? In Matthew 9, 38, he says, Therefore pray the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. He's talking about evangelism in this particular topic. But even though he's talking about evangelism and reaching people, there's some nuggets here that we can get out of this, is that Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. You're not. I'm not. He's the Lord of the harvest. And we can pray to the Lord of the harvest. Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. And I want to go back this slide. We release our seeds to the Lord of the harvest. And when we do, we let them die right there. Okay? Some people have never reaped a harvest on their seeds because they, those seeds have never died. They sow the seeds, but then they took them back. You know, if the seed does not stay in the soil, it cannot gestate and germinate and grow and produce a crop. Some people sow seeds, but they take it back. But they still hold on to it. You can't put a seed in the ground and keep your finger down there and hold on to it. It doesn't work that way. Sometime you're going to need to go sleep. Sometime you're going to need to go eat. And do some other things that your body is going to tell you that you need to do. Okay? You can't, you just can't hold it. You, and when you, when you sow it, you can't dig up the soil to see how it's going. You will abort the seed. So, in other words, some people have never reaped the harvest on their seeds because they have never allowed them to die. What does that mean? They don't let go of it. It doesn't fall into the ground and die. And that sounds so backwards to many of us. We sow it, but then we trust God, the Lord of the harvest, for the harvest. Yes, we might be involved in watering it. We might be involved in helping it get sunshine. We might be involved in helping weed, weed it out and making sure it doesn't get choked out. But we are really letting go and trusting God. We can't manipulate the seed. You know, you, farmers can't manipulate the seed. Yes, they can fertilize it, water it, make sure it gets proper sunshine uh, and whatnot. But they can't manipulate the seed. If I give you some money, you'll grow. It doesn't work that way. You can't manipulate it. Jesus said, if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. He also said, but if you lose your life, you'll find it. 
That sounds so backwards. Yet this is a kingdom principle. What we're talking about is sowing and reaping. Okay? And some people's seeds never die. Why? Because they give with alternative motives. See here, we're bouncing back and forth a little bit again between sowing and reaping and talking about motives. If you're giving just to get, it doesn't work. But if you're giving to get to give, you will see a harvest. And it will work. If you're giving because you love God and you love people, you love the gospel, you love the next generation, then giving becomes supernatural. And many people give and hold on to the harvest. They give and they, they mandate the harvest, they manipulate the harvest, and they try to control the harvest and how it comes back to them. I went back to, you know, from, let me go back here just a moment. When we give the right way, when we, when we give because we love God, people, the gospel, and other people in the next generation, that's giving, that seed will produce a harvest that's supernatural. But yet many people not only hold on to the seed, but they also hold on to the harvest, which has many more seeds that, see, they get the harvest, but they eat it all. They don't take some of the harvest and sow some of it back. You know, you can't just take, if you're a farmer, you can't just take your whole crop and eat it for your family. You're going to have to sell some of that, and you're going to have to keep some of the seeds so you can plant the next harvest. And you got to use some wisdom. you got to use some stewardship with that. Okay? But some people, they give, but they mandate and they manipulate and they try to control the harvest and how it's supposed to come back. And when they do that, that seed never dies. So that the seed never produces a harvest. <coughs> if you're giving because you... Love God, love people, and love the gospel, and love the next generation, then it will produce supernatural fruit. The seed dies by saying, Lord, I trust you. I sow this, and I let it go. It then falls into the ground, and it dies. Okay? I know God is going to bless me. I know Jesus is the Lord of the harvest. I know that... How that seed comes back to me is on God's end, not my end. And Paul says it this way, I planted Paul, Apollos water, but God gave the increase. Again, he's talking about evangelism here. Okay, But we can take this into many different realms. The principle is the same. The harvest here is different. Lives getting touched and changed by the glory of God, by the grace of God. But see, sowing and reaping is both a natural principle... But it's also a spiritual principle. It's a kingdom law. It's a natural law. Like gravity. Gravity works for the righteous and the unrighteous. You don't see all the non-righteous people just floating around. Gravity works for everybody. It's a law. Okay? When Paul painted this picture regarding evangelism, but it works for other things too... I planted upon this water, but God gave the increase. You're not the Lord of the harvest. I'm not the Lord of the harvest. Whether the harvest is seen alive, touched, and changed, 
uh, whether it's talking about finances or giving or relationships or any other thing that God wants to bless in our lives because God wants us to bless spiritually. He wants us to bless physically. He wants us to be blessed emotionally. He wants us to be blessed relationally. He wants us to be blessed financially. But obviously the most important part is spiritually. God wants us to be blessed. We, we want people to come to the kingdom. We want people to become born again. And we want those people who become born again that their lives are blessed. They might, they might have had a bad past. They might have been in sin. They might have been abused. They might have gone through a lot of junk. But God wants them to be blessed. And it's our job as a body of Christ, as a pastor, and also the ministers, all of us, is to plant, plant the seed of God's word, to water God's word, but God gets increased. How I many know you can't change anybody? You can't even change yourself. God changes you. We can be part of the process of planting and watering God's seed into people's lives, both the saved and the unsaved, speaking the words of life, speaking words of encouragement, admonishing and encouraging one another with the word of God, planting God's word, which is a seed, watering God's word, which is the, God's word is not only the seed, but it's also the water. He's also the sunshine. And, and, but God gives increase, not you. Your job in speaking to other people's lives, your job in having a harvest financially, your job in being blessed, is you're not the Lord of the harvest, God's the Lord of the harvest, but your job is to plant and to water the seed. As a gardener, as a farmer, you can't produce the increase, but you can cultivate the soil and the culture and the environment for that seed to grow. Am I making sense? You have a part to play, but you're not the Lord of the harvest. Okay? The increase of your life is in the hands of Jesus. So I'm going to keep going back and forth on finances and other things, but this principle can, can work in anything. The increase in your relationships. The re increase in your favor on the job and your business. The increase of your of you just emotionally, psychologically, mentally can, can grow because it's in the hands of Jesus. Your health, everything about you is increasing and growing and prospering and blossoming because you are trusting God with your life in every area of your life. You have to trust Jesus and how that seed, the harvest comes back to you. The harvest may not always come back the same way that you sowed it. And it usually does not come back in the same season that you sowed it. You might sow corn in the winter or spring, and you might reap it in the, in the fall, just before winter, okay? But this, you know, we talk a lot about finances, but let me give you an example of something that's spiritual, but also just relational. Kindness, okay? Just something very generic, but also very spiritual as well. Kindness is a seed. It's the fruit of God. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But I mean, have you ever, every fruit has a seed in it. Okay? Kindness, the fruit of the Spirit is a fruit, but within that fruit there are seeds. And kindness is a seed. And if you sow kindness to other people, that kindness has to die. What do I mean by that? How does that kindness die? I don't manipulate people with my kindness. I don't 
expect or demand kindness back from that person. I'm kind to them whether they're kind to me back. Okay? I don't get offended when others don't reciprocate the kindness back to me. I might chop that word up. My wife says I did good. Okay. Many people give just to get. Many people sow kindness, goodness, finances, and all kinds of different things, and they get they do it just to manipulate and mandate it back to them. Yes, when you give, we will receive because that is an immutable law. Sowing and reaping is an immutable law that's both natural and also spiritual. It's a principle in the world. It's also that God, it's a, let me say, rephrase that. It's a principle in the earth that God created. But it's also a principle in the kingdom of God. In the economy of God. Both on a spiritual level, on a relational level, on a natural, physical level, but also on a financial level. Okay? But how we get it is in the hands of God. It may not come back from that person. It may not come back from that job. It may not come back from that church. But it, God will bring it back. And even when we get it back, we get it back to give again. Okay, we're not doing it selfishly. I'm not saying we can't enjoy some of it, but we get it back so we can give it again. We don't live just to get. We live to get to give. If we never live to give, we're never going to get. Because somewhere in the cycle, the cycle will get cut off and the cycle will end. Even if we did get it, it would destroy us. If all we did was to get it to get. I have to trust God in every area of my life. In everything I think. In everything I say. In everything I do. And I have to trust the Lord in the harvest. That no matter how I give and, and sow seeds. That he, has, that, that he gives me to sow. Because he gives seeds to the sower. Then I leave the harvest to him. Because he's the Lord of the harvest. We may sow kindness to someone and never receive it back from the same person. We may sow kindness to someone, but the Lord of the harvest brings kindness back into my life to places I never dreamed of. That's the goodness of God. Because he is Lord of the harvest, not the person you're being kind to. We need to sow our seeds and let them die, trusting the Lord of the harvest. The seed dies by releasing it to the Lord of the harvest. And our love for God and others. Love is not selfish. Love does not seek its own. Love gives whether it receives back or not. You need to I think some of us need to read, read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what love is. 
Okay? Our love for God and other people, we love whether they never give it back. Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God, through his son Jesus, through Jesus, loved the world, whether the world receives him or not. I mean, you know, Jesus and God has sown a, a lot of seed. His great and best seed ever was Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And he has sowed that seed for all mankind. And not all mankind has received that. Not all mankind has loved God back. But God didn't love man, mankind, the world, because of what the world could do for him. God loved you and God loved me because he loved us, period. Does he want us to receive it? Yeah. Why does God want us to receive his love? For selfish reasons? No. So that we can have eternal life. So we can walk in the blessing of God and the protection of God. Until we can be with him for all eternity. God, See, God doesn't want to force that. God can't force that. If we don't have a self-will to choose or not choose, that's not love. You can't force someone to love you. You can't force someone to, to, to be kind to you back. You can't, if you, if you for, even if you could force it, it's not love. That's dictatorship. Okay? Many believers have chosen to ignore the most powerful spiritual law on the earth, and that is the law of sowing and reaping. We're sw switch gears. This is kind of the second half of my message this morning. See, <coughs> excuse me. Many many believers declare that grace frees us from the spiritual laws on the earth, and sowing and reaping is a spiritual law. It's a natural law. It's also a spiritual law. And some people think because of grace we're free from the law. No, that we're free from the law of Moses. We're free from. And I don't have time to go into all of this right now. I've taught this in many lessons in the past. The law is still good. The law is still holy. But by keeping the law, you don't. The law can't make anyone holy. The only thing that can make anyone holy is Jesus. The only thing that can make anything holy is the blood of Jesus. We still keep the law in the sense that we still don't murder. We still don't bear false witness. We still don't commit adultery. We still don't do these things. Not to be righteous, but because we are righteous and holy. Okay? We're free. We're not free to sin. We're free from sin. Some people teach, or think that we teach, that you're giving people a license to sin. No, people are already sinning without a license. Okay? It says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 and 12, that the grace of God has appeared to all men, teaching us to deny ungodliness. Grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. Those who teach that grace gives you a freedom to be in sin don't understand grace, and those who think that we're teaching people that they can live any way they want to don't understand grace and have not listened to one thing, single thing that we've ever taught. Because we have never taught that. We've taught the opposite of that. That's, because that's not grace. Grace will teach you. Grace is a teacher that teaches you to deny ungodliness. And being ungodly is not freedom, that's bondage. Okay, that's not freedom. That's a, we are not free from sin to go back into sin. That's, that's an oxymoron. That just makes no sense whatsoever. 
Jesus didn't set us free from sin so we could continue sinning. That makes no sense. Why would you be free from something and go right back into the same vomit? That doesn't make any sense. But many believers declare that grace frees us from all spiritual laws. And many people think <coughs> many people think we're under grace, there's no laws. The New Testament has a lot of laws. Okay, if you ever read them. Three that we taught on primarily in this church is we have the royal law of love, we have the law of liberty, and we have the law of faith. And the law, I've taught this before, works for everybody, everywhere, every time. Faith works the same way for me as it will for you. The law of love will work the same way for me as it will for you. The law of liberty will work the same for me as it will for you. But Peter says that we, none of us have a, there's no private interpretation for any of us. Okay, it works the same for all of us. When people say this, it's like saying grace has freed us from the law of gravity. Just because you're saved, gravity doesn't work for you because you're not under any natural spiritual laws anymore. That's not true because I'm a believer, I'm under grace, and I'm not floating around. Okay? And so gravity works. But there's still laws in the earth. And there's still laws in the kingdom of God. You can't have a kingdom without any rules and laws. Okay? It's like saying that God, grace has freed us from day and night. Day and night is a law, a natural law in the earth. Saying that we're under grace when we're not under any laws is like saying we're free from hot, being hot or cold. Hot and cold are scientific laws that are in the earth. Saying that we're free, grace has freed us from spiritual laws is saying that we're free from summer and winter. Okay? Or that we're free from life's consequences. And that's where some people, okay, well, I don't know about that one. <coughs> but, and we'll, we'll deal with this in just a moment. The law of sowing and reaping is the definite article law that governs all things spiritual and natural. For example, redemption is based on the law of sowing and reaping. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Jesus is the seed that was sown and died that we might live. I want to say this one again because it's worth saying. Jesus is the seed that was sown and died that we might live. We are the harvest of the cross. Why would anyone think the law of sowing and reaping disappeared? Because sowing and reaping is at work around us every day. Because some people think that sowing and reaping vanish because we're under grace. Well, don't farmers continue to sow and reap their crops? Don't our words continue to have consequences? Don't the, our actions still have consequences, if not even naturally or civilly? Jesus said in Mark 4, 24, Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And to you hear, more will be given. This is sowing and reaping. Whatever... Take heed what you hear. He said this after he's talking about the parable of the sower. That's the context. He says, with the same measure that you use it, it will be measured back to you. In Galatians chapter 6, he says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. It is Paul talking. For whatever a man sows, he will reap. 
If you don't believe that, you're deceived and you're mocking God. According to Paul. I didn't say that. Paul said it. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> if, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Whatever he sows. Not just a crop, but what, whatever, whatever I sow with my thoughts, whatever I sow with my words, whatever I sow with my actions, whatever I sow, everything I think, say, or do is a seed. And sometimes you can't get the toothpaste back into the tube by the things that we say and the things that we do. You might apologize, but the seed you have sowed seeds of discord or discouragement or whatever it might be into someone else's mind, in their heart, in the ground, in the soil. <coughs> and now, if you said something bad or mean to somebody, that's now their job to unpluck those roots. So those seeds don't not germinate and gestate and germinate and grow into something that's unhealthy. Okay? But you can't get the toothpaste back into the tube once you say some things. But everything we say, everything we do, is a seed. Whatever man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. Where does corruption come from? God, no. If you sow to the flesh, you'll reap corruption. If you sow corn, you'll get corn. If you sow beans, you'll get beans. If you sow ladybugs, you'll get ladybugs. If you sow dogs, you're going to get dogs. Monkeys beget monkeys. Rhinos beget rhinos. Humans beget male or female humans. There's only two genders. Okay? Because there's only two different kinds of seed. Okay? Whatever, whoever sows in the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows in the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. There's a lot in, I can go a lot deeper with this verse. Sowing and reaping has been classified as work, though. Many people think that sowing and reaping is work. And if we're under grace, we shouldn't have to work. We shouldn't have to earn our harvest. I'm not talking about earning your harvest. I'm still talking about grace, very much so. Okay? I'm talking about trusting God. But even though we're trusting God, we need to get to work. See, some people have classified sowing and reaping as work. Therefore, many have believed sowing and reaping should be, should be avoided. It should be ignored. It should be denied. Because we're not working for our salvation. We're receiving it by grace. I agree with the last part of that. We are receiving it by grace. We're not earning, you can't earn your salvation. We dealt with earning your salvation in our very first lesson months ago in February. Okay? The same people who preach that that are reaping, the same people who preach that are reaping material things. I, I, I feel like my notes are choppy here. But, you know, those who, there's people who teach against sowing and reaping. They teach against the whole principle of prosperity, the whole principle of prosperity and how it relates to sowing and reaping. Hopefully I'm making sense right now. I feel like I'm a little choppy right here. But some, there are people who will just bash the whole idea 
who, going back to this one, who avoid and ignore denying, talking about sowing and reaping in the context of prosperity and blessing, God's covenant blessing to us. And those who teach such things are, even though they teach against prosperity, and they teach against sowing and reaping in the context of prosperity, they are reaping material things themselves. For example, a paycheck. There's many people who preach against sowing and reaping in the context of prosperity. They'll teach it to, to, so they turn blue, but, uh, but they, they, they take a paycheck. They teach against something that they are participating in. There's some pastors and preachers out there who are against sowing and reaping in, 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 in the context of prosperity, and yet they're receiving tithes and offerings. And interest, whether they're, they're receiving material things, interest, whether that would be good interest or bad interest because of credit cards and bills and whatnot. Bills and expenses, they're, they're, they're reaping those. I mean, you, know, if you, you reap what you sow. And if we sign up to have utilities and different things, we've got bills and we have expenses coming, we're reaping those. How, how are you sowing it? Well, are you using electricity? Are you, did you sign up for the service? Just for signing up for the service, you're going to have a bill. Whether you use electricity or not, it's still running in your house. Okay? And to live by the principles they teach against is hypocrisy. Anytime you, you teach against something you live by, that's hypocrisy. Okay? Sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping has also been classified as fear. Some say, we don't need to sow, God will take care of us like he does the birds of the air. Because Matthew 6, Chapter 6 says, you know, get, get, uh, don't worry about these things because your Heavenly Father knows that you need thee. As he's using the illustration of the birds, uh, the birds of the air, and, and also the lilies in the field. Yes, God takes care of the birds. But God doesn't just take the food and throw it in their nests. The birds don't wake up every, every morning like Santa Claus and with, 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 with food in their nests. Birds work all day. Have you ever seen birds? He takes care of them, but they're working all day. Continually searching for the food God has provided. But God does not throw food in their nest. They have to go get it. He provides for every single one of them. But they have to go use their natural instincts and go do what they were created to go do as birds. And how do birds sow? They sow a lot of time and a lot of energy to reap another day of life. We sow. We sow our time and our talent and a job and reap a paycheck. <coughs> I know some of you might be out of work and so you wish you had a, a job where you can sow time. So you can still sow your time and talent by volunteer work somewhere, somehow, and God, the Lord of the harvest, will meet your need. Don't be lazy doing nothing. Even if you're out of work, go do something. Get involved. Okay? Do something. And you know, sometimes doing something may be looking for work. It may be marketing. It may be putting out applications. That's all part of the process. 
But don't go do nothing and expect God just to throw the, the, the food in your nest. I'm not saying we can't have a miracle if we need a miracle. I'm not saying there's not circumstances where we've done everything we know to do, but we have Sherry and I have been there. We were out of work for five years between 2009 and 2013. I put hundreds of applications out. Okay? I kept getting rejected because people kept saying I was overqualified. Well, I wasn't looking for the top-notch job. I was willing to do whatever. I was willing to, willing to work at McDonald's. I was willing to work whatever. I could not find a job. No one would give me an interview because I was overqualified. <coughs> I had to start lying in the sense on my applications. I don't know nothing. I can't do nothing just to try to get a job. And I still was not getting hired. And so we got to work. We, we, we began to volunteer and do things that we could do. We still applied. I was with 30 temp agencies. I couldn't even get an interview with one job. It wasn't that I wasn't trying. It wasn't that I wasn't working. I just wasn't getting it. And there's a whole story behind all that. I don't have time to go into all of it all. But we've been there. But we're going to trust. And, but we were also not dormant, just sitting on our cow, couch. At the time, we didn't even have a couch. You know, so we didn't even have a home. We were staying with Sharon's uh, uh, grandmother. Okay? But we also got to work. We got busy. We took care of our home and her backyard and different things. But most of us, we work a job, sowing our time and talent, and we expect a paycheck. We expect a harvest. <coughs> for the seed that we've sown. How many would you work a full-time job to be paid as an employer felt led to, to pay you? Well, I just didn't feel led this week. No, I wasn't feeling it. Okay? We expect a specific harvest, sorry for the wording on the slide, per our hours of investment on that job. If you work 40 hours in a week, you expect to get paid for 40 hours at the rate that you agreed upon when you started that job. If you work 20 or 30 or you work more, you work overtime, whatever. If you're on a salary income, you expect to get what your salary, what you signed up for your contract. You're not going to work for, you're expecting a specific harvest for what you're sowing. That's sowing and reaping. If you sow corn, you expect corn. You don't expect, I mean... Some of us would be shocked out of our socks if we sow corn and out came lima beans. Okay? Especially, especially if you don't like lima beans. Okay? <laughs> Why should God sow into our lives only to be recompensed as we feel that? I'm, 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 I'm going back and forth a little bit here. But, you know, we sow and we expect a check. God sows into us. Every day. And some of us don't even have the attitude to give him anything back. Okay, I'm not here to give people a guilt trip. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm just, I'm hitting this from a lot of different angles of sowing and reaping. It says in 1 Corinthians, if we have sown unto spiritual things, is it a great thing that we shall reap carnal things? This is Paul talking. Paul saying, we've sown unto you spiritual things. Is it wrong for us to reap from your carnal things? And See, those who deny the concept of sudden reaping under grace will have to ignore what Paul said. Because he says, whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. 
And we already established that sometimes when we sow something like kindness, it may come back in a different form. It may come back in a different, different way. Because God is the Lord of the harvest. I'm, hope, I'm not confusing this. See, regarding sowing and reaping, some people take a very narrow view and expect a mathematical equa equa equation to the harvest. In other words, when the hundredfold harvest doesn't materialize, they get discouraged. And they become bitter. The problem has nothing to do with sowing and reaping, but the lack of understanding how to recognize a harvest. It says in Ephesians, Blessed be God of the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in every place in Christ Jesus. It's obvious not every believer is enjoying the abundance of blessings that God has provided. Hold on with me, because I'm, I'm done the point here that I'm trying to get to. Okay? I've hit it from a lot of different angles, and now I'm building another point right now that I'm going to bring everything into, hopefully, a conclusion here. There is a disconnect between what is available and what many of us have experienced. God says through Paul in Ephesians that God has provided every spiritual blessing to us in Christ Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. And some people think finances are not spiritual. I disagree with that. I just did a message a few weeks ago talking about finances from Genesis to the book of Revelation. I spoke from every book of the Bible. I've never done that before where I gave you over 66 different verses on how God wants to bless. Not all the verses were finances, but a lot of them were. But finances are very spiritual. Okay? If I need finances to go preach the kingdom of God, that is very spiritual. Okay? And I, I can teach that, and we will get into some of that later. Okay? But let me go back to this. There's a disconnect in many people's minds and their theology and the way they think, the way they were processing things, their, their perception of things, that is there's a disconnect between what God has made available to all of us and what we are experiencing. And sowing and reaping is simply God's way of getting his blessing into our lives. Sowing and reaping is like electricity. It's in the house. And it's ready to be used. <clears throat> but you need to plug in an appliance and turn the thing on. Sowing and reaping is like electricity. It's in the house. It's in the building. But you need to get the appliance, the toaster, the microwave, the light bulb, the light. And you need to plug it in. And you need to turn on the switch. And then the electricity will manifest. In the kingdom of God. It is the life of Christ. It's his righteousness. It's the love and faith. That represents our sowing. But sowing and reaping can be seen through our kindness. It can be seen through our service to one another. It can be seen through forgiving one another. It can be seen through loving one another. And blessing and giving to one another. We can sow a lot of different kinds of seeds. Where we are getting plugged into the kingdom of God. And to the economy of God. And to the purpose of God. We might not have always money. But we can give service. We can be kind. We can forgive. We can, we can love one another. We can bless one another in a lot of different ways. See, sowing and reaping. 
Sowing involves using our gifts to bless others. You might say, I don't have anything. You got something. You have hands. You have a voice. You have a life. You can encourage people. You can minister to people. You can write a letter. You can go visit people. Sowing and reaping. Sowing involves using our gifts to solve problems. Solve problems for ourselves. Solve problems for other people. Sowing involves using everything God has given us to bless those around us. And your harvest is every good thing God brings in your life. God has given you a life. God has given you things. You might not have, you might only have the clothes on your back. You might not have a lot in your perspective, but you can use what you have, and you can God can use it to meet the needs, your needs, and meet the needs of other people. If you will trust Him, if you will use that thing as a seed to bless other people, because they're not your Lord. God is the Lord of your harvest. And as you sow seed, and you sow, and you give, and you minister, and you sow seed, trusting God, God will meet your need, and God will support your habits of blessing and giving other people. Your harvest is, is relationships. Your harvest is open doors of opportunity. Your harvest is favor with God and favor with man. Your, your harvest is health. Your harvest is protection. Your harvest is wisdom. Your harvest is revelation of the word of God. Your harvest is coming from a lot of different ways. But pastor, that's not going to feed my, feed my family. That's going to meet my needs. You don't know the relationships that God is going to ordain for you. That can open a harvest for you to receive finances, receive a job. <coughs> Provision and support. God can open doors of opportunity. God can give you faith, your health. Some of you can't, you can't even get a job because your health is a mess. Okay? <coughs> God can give you wisdom of where to sow and how to get work and how to be innovative and get money. Even miraculously. We'll get to that in just a moment. Your harvest is the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. Okay? The resources and finances and wealth that God will provide for you. Blessings. Your harvest can come in many different ways. Get your, your ultimate harvest is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Jesus said this way. Paul said this way. I can do all things. I can do all things. Through Christ who gives me strength. There's nothing you cannot do if you have Christ. There's nothing you cannot do if you, if you have Jesus. If you have a covenant relationship with God. If you have the fruit of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit in your life. God's blessing. God's covenant with you. There's nothing you can't do to be a blessing. And God can take your seed. And it might not say, seem like much. It might just seem like oil for the widow. It might just seem like a little boy's lunch. But God can take what you have. And he can meet the needs of thousands. And God can take what you have. To make your need as well. See, your harvest is a multiplication of God's goodness to you. Allowing his goodness to flow through you to others. We often don't recognize our harvest. We often take our harvest for granted. But your harvest can be a phone call that opens doors. Your harvest can be an opportunity that will change your life forever.
your, your harvest can be a divine encounter that you were not expecting. <coughs> Excuse me. Your harvest can be an escape from tragedy or death that you didn't even know was taking place. Your harvest can be an idea that comes to you in the middle of the night, in the middle of the shower, while you're driving on the road, in the middle of your workday. Don't limit God. All of these blessings are available to all of God's children, and all of these blessings are multiplied to the sower, because he gives seed to the sower. Okay? When we are faithful in what we have, when we are faithful in the little things, when we are faithful in what God has given us, and we might only have one talent, but we're faithful with that one talent, the principles of God that he teaches in the parables of Jesus, we will be given more. When we're faithful <coughs> in one talent, when we're faithful when God has planted us, when we're faithful in the job where we're at, when we're faithful in the home and the marriage and the relationship we're at, God will give us more. That's increase. That's prosperity. That's a harvest. Okay? When we bless others, we create an environment for ourselves, for the blessing of God. When we use what we have, when we use what God has given us, and what God has given us is seed. And we're not seeing it as seed. We're seeing that stuff. We're seeing it, I need this, but I only have that. Well, what do you have? How many times do we see in the Old Testament, and also especially with Jesus, what do you have? Elijah to the widow. Elisha to another widow. What do you have? <coughs> God can take what you have. It may seem insignificant. It may seem like, how can this connect to my solution? God can take what you have and create an environment to bless you and to bless others. As we show grace to others, we should expect increase in our lives. Everything in God's kingdom it's designed for increase. Every thought seed carries grace for increase. Every word seed carries grace for increase. Every action seed carries grace for increase. Every giving seed, monetary giving seed, or any type of giving seed, maybe just your time, maybe just a listening ear, whatever kind of seed you have, but you're giving it, carries the grace for increase. The more we give, just like a farmer, the more that we sow, the more that we give, the more we will see increase. When you sow a seed, it produces a plant, a tree. And that one seed doesn't just produce one fruit, it produces a lot of fruit. And within that fruit are more seeds, and more trees, and more plants. There's increase going on. Bless your seeds. Bless your fields. Bless where you are. And give thanks for your harvest in the best. You know, <coughs> in the Gospels, Jesus wanted to feed the multitudes. Jesus had a need to feed thousands. Jesus, the Creator, Jesus, the Lord of the harvest, had a need, a desire to feed thousands. A boy's lunch. He borrowed as a seed. He took that lunch. 
and he gave thanks. Before anything happened, he gave thanks. And Jesus blessed the apparent lack. It was lack, and he blessed it with a seed that he gave thanks. And he took that seed, and he gave thanks. And it turned into a blessing of thousands with baskets left over. God can take your little lunch. God can take what you think is little and insignificant. Compared to the multitudes God wants to meet and feed. And you can take it and give thanks for that seed and bless it. In the name of Jesus, and it will turn into a blessing, a miracle before your eyes. That is how our God works. That is how the kingdom of God works. Do not limit God. You can only see what you can see. You can only see the, the woman who all she had was oil. And to Elisha, he, he said, go borrow as many drugs as you can. Just like Jesus borrowed a boy's lunch. And she took that oil to pay off her debts, and her and her son left, lived off the increase. That was a lot of oil. That was a lot of oil. Jesus, his first miracle, he just obeyed his mama, and he took the big gallons of water, and he turned it into wine to bless the marriage, the wedding at Cana. And it was the best wine in town. And he, it was over 150 gallons of this wine. I mean, not only could they drink it, but they could have sold that wine for a lot of money as well. And not only did he do this miracle, he did it twice. If God can do the same miracle twice, and maybe there might be a few different parameters that were different on it. God is no respected person. He can do the same thing to you. See, this is how the kingdom works. Don't despise what you have. Don't despise what God has given you. Give thanks for everything God has given you. And put what God has given you to work. Let it die. Let go. Let God. Wrap what God has given you with faith and love. And the harvest is coming. I'm hoping this is making sense. I could go a lot deeper with this. We're going to go. I'm going to take this even deeper next week. This idea of sowing and reaping. Okay. I, didn't, I talked about finances, but the, I didn't just talk just about finances. But we're talking about prosperity. Prosperity is more than just finances. It includes that. God, Jesus multiplying the loaves and fishes, that's prosperity. I mean, his own disciples said, we don't even, even if we have enough money, the markets don't even have enough food to feed all these people. <laughs> that's prosperity. Okay? We're talking about the benefits of our salvation. We're talking about God blessing us, our lives, because we are in a covenant relationship with God. Because he says, and you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get well, 
that he may establish his covenant, which he swore to your fathers to this day. We're talking about such a great, great salvation. And we are not even done. I'm just getting warmed up here. So God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Amen, amen. God bless you.